0: Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano. Going solo today as we embark on our journey throughout the rest of this bye week. Uh, No Leafs, no Leafs, but still plenty of hockey going on. But I figure this is a pretty good time to actually kind of Kind of settle down and, and just take a look at how the first half of the season went as a whole. I know technically we're we're past the first the, the legitimate halfway point of 41 games, but I think the unofficial halfway point is usually the all-star game. That's kind of how the players see it. That's kind of how I see it. So I want to grade each individual how they've played so far this season. Um and I'm gonna to start today with the forwards and We'll see how far we get. I'm going to assume that that uh, that this will probably take up most of the episode, actually, if not the entire thing. Just just the forwards alone, and then uh, we'll we'll work on the D and the goalies uh, in tomorrow's show. So, but I, I just kind of want to get, want to get to it, and I want to just discuss how I think everybody has played so far, because you know, overall, I don't think the team is living up to the expectations that we had on them early in the year. Like, if you go back and you listen to our our, our first show that we had, I think we had sky-high expectations where, you know, the Stanley Cup was something we thought was literally a tangible goal. I'm not saying it's not anymore, but it is highly unlikely that this is a Stanley Cup team based on how they've played so far. I'm not saying that they can't get there, you know, or if they go out and they add pieces or some other guys who've kind of uh, kind of slumped uh, early in the season, the first half of the season, kind of surge like like a Tyson Berry, or when you know if if when Morgan Riley gets back, he kind of turns into a, a much better player, the much better version of himself that we saw last season. Um, just also getting healthy, like this team hasn't been that healthy at times. They miss Mitch Marner for a while, they miss Tavares for a while. High Moon's out for the first part of the season. You uh Johnson was out for a bit and, you know, now obviously missing Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin Riley for much more extended time. This team hasn't been healthy. And I think that's been a big issue as to why they haven't been able to also find some consistency. That being said, I think that giving each player an individual grade is uh, is a fair way to assess how everybody's kind of done so far this season. So I did have a few criteria um, kind of uh, 20 games, uh, if you play 20 games, I think that's a good enough criteria to be able to base you on. Guys who've come up for like a handful of games, like a, uh, Nick Patan or, or Kevin Gravel, like, it's just not fair to to judge them on those couple of games or even Lilligren. So uh, 20 games for a forward and defenseman, and then um, just going to grade Freddie and Hutch. I know Cascasuo uh, got himself into a game, but... Just going to go ahead and grade uh, those two for the goaltending. But let's go ahead and and let's start this bad boy. Uh, let's start with a player who I think has been one of the best players for the Maple Leafs this season. That's Austin Matthews. Um He's got 57 points so far this year, 34 goals. He's on the heels of David Pasternak for the Rocket Richard. Uh, I think there's no doubt that he's been the team's most lethal weapon this year. At times, he's he's put his name into the ring for MVP, I think. Um, he's been a, a top-tier player ever since the coaching change. 20 goals in his last 26 games and is really making a run at that Richard, uh, He's averaging 2.05 goals per 62. So he's he's been lethal whenever he's been out there on the ice. But if he wants to get that plus, I think he's got to be more of a consistent player. Um, we've seen him at times... Be a little bit better in his own end, especially kind of recently, I would say, in the last little bit. And I think it has to do with confidence. When Matthews is confident, he's playing well in both ends, in all three zones, really. Neutral zone, defensive zone, and offensive zone. Um and right now, when he's scoring at the rate that he is, I think it's just it just gives him a little bit more confidence on all ends of the rink. He's been a little more aggressive in his puck pursuit and his back check, but he needs to do it on a nightly basis in order to be considered an A-plus player. An A-plus player, for me, I think there's only maybe four or five of those in the league. So an A is a very good grade, um, but... It just the consistency, and I need to see the effort on a nightly basis on all ends of the rank. And there's been some nights where he's been really quiet, especially during the the Babcock era, as as I guess we'll call it, the the first half of the season. And that's kind of why it was a little bit tough to grade a lot of these players because so many, you know, so many of these guys kind of took a bit of a 180 um, in, in production and, and just the style of play when they had a coaching change. So it was a little bit difficult. But for Matthews, maybe it's recency bias. I thought that he's been uh, rather exceptional throughout the entire season. Um, so I, I gave him an A so far at the midway mark. Uh, Mitch Marner, another player who's been really, really good. Um, I gave him an A as well. He's got uh, was yeah, I have 37 points and 38. No, not 37. 47 points in uh, 38 games, so well over a point-per-game average. He's producing at 5-on-5 a lot more now than he was earlier in the season, which has made him a lot more dangerous. Um, Seven of his 16 points he had in the first month of the season were on the power play, and he struggled to get it going 5-on-5. If you recall, him with with Kapanen and Tavares just weren't really clicking, and it kind of... Made them move Captain and down a little bit. Then they had to move up Trevor Moore, and then Tavares got hurt. So then it was kind of Marner working with Kerfoot, and he never really had uh, a solid first month and a half, I would say. And then when Zach Hyman came back, that line started going again. But then when he ended up going onto a line with Matthews, boy has that worked out well. Um and he also had an injury halfway through this year too. Like you look at his, his 19 games he's been back since his injury, he's got 29 points in those 19 games. He leads all Leafs forward in an 84 minutes uh of shorthanded ice time. So he he's killing penalties for this team too. Um, I, I just think that he's played really well. He, he's such an amazing creator of space too. And it makes everybody he plays with a lot better. He just opens up space for his, his teammates. And it's no surprise that you have guys like Austin Matthews turning into Alex Ovechkin when Marner's on his wing. You saw last year turn Tavares into a 47 goal scorer. I mean, I'm not that I'm saying Tavares isn't a 40 goal scorer on his own, but he just allowed him to have that much more time to get his shot off. And uh, I think it's been a match made in heaven with whoever he has at his center spot. Mitch Marner is just a magician out there on the ice. Um, And the the tandem of of Marner and Matthews has really, really started working um, over the last month since they've been, well, really, since they've been put together in general. Uh, But I really like what they've been able to do. All right, moving on here. Um, So yeah, so Marner and A, Matthews and A, This one's our first non-A, and it's Captain John Tavares. I gave him a B. Um, He's got 41 points in 42 games, 18 goals. I liked his game at times. You know, he's, he's, uh, if you look at, his season as a whole, it's been far too inconsistent for my liking. Injuries, I think, played a little bit of a factor. If you recall, he did have that um, that wrist injury early in the year, or the finger injury early in the year. It's kind of it took him a little bit to to get healthy after that after that uh, layoff he had. Um, for me, even recently, he hasn't looked himself especially defensively in his own end he's kind of looked lost at times Uh, I don't know if it's because Marner's gone or because Nylander isn't as efficient um, in his own zone or because Hyman's not there like I'm not exactly too sure why John Tavares hasn't been as good in his own end as he's been kind of over his entire career but you know not that plus minus is something that that I take into high regard but he's a Minus 9 in the last 7 games down the stretch where the Leafs haven't looked too good. He's got just 3 points at 5-on-5 in that 7-game stretch. So possibly a little bit of recency bias creeping in on this this grade uh, as a B. But I think above all else, he's the captain of a team that's, A, being called immature by their new coach. Just 2 months after getting their old coach fired for similar reasons. And if you're the captain of a team that gets his coach fired... I can't give you an A. I just can't do it. Um, I love Tavares. I think he's been an outstanding captain, an outstanding player, but just hasn't been the best he can be, I don't think. Uh, There's certainly more untapped in there that, that we need to get out of him in the second half in order for this team to make the run that that we thought that they were going to go on early in the year. So I gave him a B there. All right, William Nylander. I thought that he's had a great season. I'm giving him an A minus. He's obviously not as good as Tavares, or not as good as Matthews, not as good as Marner. But I think William Nylander has been the third best forward for this Leafs team this season. Um, that might be a little unfair to Tavares uh, because I think Tavares is the better player. But if you just look at overall, the, the kind of I'm, I'm also taking expectations into account here as well. Like. I think Tavares is, is a better player than Nylander, but on the on the scale, I think that Tavares has put toward maybe a seventy-five percent uh effort to what I think he could be at his best. Therefore, seventy-five, that's a B. Whereas Nylander, you know, I think he's putting forth a really, really solid campaign for what I think Nylander is, therefore an A minus. I just wanted to clear that up. Not that I think Nylander is a better player than Tavares, just he is definitely uh, performing up to or, or even better than I expected uh, out of him, but so he's got 43 points, uh, second on the team with 22 goals this season, which has been kind of a revelation for him, um, considering what happened last year. And if you're still complaining about the guy's contract, just kind of turning your fan badge because he has been fantastic this season. Inconsistent at times, but I, to me, he's been he's been electric more nights than than not. Uh, he's, he's been fantastic, and he's always kind of buzzing around the ice and and making plays. I, I think, you know, I talk about his goal scoring, uh, 15% shooting percentage this season, which is significantly lower than the 5% shooting percentage he had last season. So you had a lot of people, and I'm not a major analytics guy, but I do understand that there are trends that happen and that I can appreciate. I think you look at shooting percentage, when you're only sh- making 5% of your shots and you're typically an 11%, 12% guy, that just means you're getting some bad luck. You're getting stonewalled. You're, you're you're ringing shots off the bar, and I know that last year he had a lot of shots go off the post and off the off the crossbar, and it's like an an inch towards the net, an inch and a half towards the net, and those are goals. Um, and I think this season he's just getting he's getting that inch inch and a half towards the net and i think that's been uh, a big reason for that also um he's got 11.1 individual expected goals per 60 which is uh third on the team sorry yeah third on the team uh next to austin matthews who has got 11.76 so you know he's creating a lot of offense out there on his own when you're playing with guys like Matthews and Ferris, though, that's kind of expected for your line to produce. Uh, but for me, I think that it's it's just what Nylander's been able to do. And when a guy has a nice uptick in goals, usually you think, okay, so he's he's cooking on the power play. Well, Neilander played on the second power play unit for quite some time this season, and although he does have six power play goals, 16 of them coming at five on five. So he's second on the team with five on five goals at 16, um, and I think that, What's kind of understated, though, about Nylander has been his playmaking abilities and uh, how well he was producing when he was with Matthews and Tavares. You know, I think you take a look at his, his 16 assists, nine of them being primary, which means he's he's driving play sometimes, and he's getting, he's getting good looks where he's finding people open. Uh, Matthews has really kind of unleashed a a, a lethal one-timer this season, which was kind of uh, obviously helped by a lot of the passes that were coming to him by Nylander. And now more recently, playing with Tavares, kind of the same thing. Tavares is is receiving pucks and putting them in the back of the net. So, you know, he's also not just a a tremendous goal scorer, but also a great playmaker. So A-minus season so far for Willie Nylander, but he's got to keep it up. Got to keep it up. You know, we've seen young players kind of have a good start and then a bad ending, and is uh, a guy who, unfortunately, that could happen to. All right, uh, moving on. Before we head to a break, we're going to go with Zach Hyman, the last of our top six here. So Hyman uh, missed a lot of games. He's only gotten to 30 games this year after missing the first little bit, uh, recovering from an ACL injury. So take take that into into account because this is a guy who did— have you know constructive surgery on his knee usually that means that you come out a little bit slower you know last season we saw if you miss training camp and you miss the first 15 20 games of the year you're usually a little sluggish to start that hasn't been the case for Hyman he's been amazing ever since he came out uh, and got back out onto the ice Uh 12 goals 21 points in just 30 games Um he's he's I mean, to me, I, I gave him a B plus. That's the grade that I've given him so far. His shooting isn't sustainable. Um, I just talked about how Nylander, and I took a look at his shooting percentage. So I thought, okay, well, twelve goals in, in thirty games—that's that's pretty darn good. That's that's Hyman's his 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 um, best shooting percentage that he's ever had. But nineteen point four. That's just that's a lot. So I think that's going to come down a little bit. I don't expect him to be this type of player. I don't expect him to average, you know, get be a 30 goal scorer. Um, but that's not what I expect of him. You know, he is just kind of a, a great two way player, and his job is to more often than not actually go and retrieve pucks. I you know, he's such a relentless player on the forecheck and on the backcheck. Um, he's a guy who you can kind of dump and he can chase in and retrieve that puck for you in the corner and have your guy and spot Marner or Tavares or, or Matthews, whoever it is, going to the net, spot him, give him the puck, and, and allow them to, to score. And he's done a really good job of that so far this year. You know, he knows his role and he does it well. But I think the biggest thing about Hyman's game that the Leafs really, really missed, and you notice this especially when he was gone. Um, is how much of a key contributor he is to this team's penalty kill. He's fantastic. Um uh, the penalty kill has struggled this year, and Zach Hyman's one of the if not the best penalty killer in my opinion on this team. But at the same time, overall, the penalty kill needs to do better. Um I'm I'm not gonna give say that it's all Hyman. I think it's more has to do with with kind of the, the structure behind him. You know, I don't the, – the defense themselves haven't really helped them out. I think the guys up top at the point, whether it's Hyman or it's been Engvall recently or, or Marner, like I think that they've they've played well. Kasperi Kapanen, the forwards have played well. It's kind of been on the back end where they've given up a lot more uh, opportunities in tight than I think uh, – than I like, to be honest. But game of B plus. I think that's 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 fair for, for Zach Hyman, a guy who's missed twenty games, but he's been he's been really good. Now currently on the number one line, was on the number two line. So he's he's become a top six player and a vital one for this team. All right, we're gonna take a real quick break and come back. Um, now kinda as we get to more of the meat of the team, I guess, the the bottom six part of this roster lineup will might try and move things along a little bit because <laughs> I've just been talking a little bit too long for a lot of these guys. But uh, coming up next, we'll we'll continue our look and our grades of the Maple Leafs for the first half of the season. All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs Podcast. Mike DeStefano here with you again, and we continue with our grades of the Maple Leafs so far through the season. Uh, We've already gone through Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, and Zach Hyman. And we're now going to move on to Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen. Interesting player. Interesting player. 28 points this season, 10 goals. He started off slow alongside Marner and Tavares. He's kind of out of place as, as more of a tertiary member. On his line, I thought he found a better role when he got moved down to the third line, where he can kind of utilize his speed and come off the rush, as opposed to being a guy who they expected to kind of go into the corners and retrieve pucks. Although he is a, he's he's, I don't want to say, he's proven to be reliable defensively and that he can play that role, but I think he's better utilized when he's not in that role. So I, I just. I don't see him as a top six guy who's going to kind of be a, a trailblazer offensively, but I think he's better suited on this third line role with some penalty killing abilities. Um, I mean, I just, I, I think that he's, he's, he's been all right. And he took a, take a look at his takeaway to giveaway ratio, 25 takeaways compared to just 17 giveaways this season. So he's been, he's been a lot better when it comes to to taking the puck away. He's protective of the puck uh, but for me, Kapanen, he's been extremely inconsistent. When he's not playing and he's off, he's really off. And he's been a guy who I think has kind of, like, he, he he takes nights off, essentially, is what I'm trying to get at. There, there's there been some times where he's, he's flashed, where he looks speedy, where he gets a good breakaway and gets a good chance off, and there's nights where you just don't notice him. And when you do notice him, it's because he's, I don't know, making a a bad giveaway, or he's kind of lazily on the back check. So I just Capitan hasn't been consistent enough for me to put him in the B, so give him a C. Uh moving on. Andres Janssen. Hmm. So Janssen <laughs> I tweeted about this earlier today as well. One of the weird things that I found about Jansen is how inexistent his five on five production has been. He has just two goals this year at 5-on-5, which is tied for Nick Shore. Nick Shore, a guy who's not even on the team anymore. Think about that. He has been on the team for like two months. And that he's tied with him for 5-on-5 goal production? Like, Yance has got to score a little bit more. I mean, six goals in 34 games um, for a guy who's playing top six minutes uh, up until he got hurt at least. Which he's been back for for uh, he's been back for about four games now, and he's hasn't been great. I don't think he has a point since. He just had four points his last fourteen games in general. Um, to me, he's become expendable too, not just because of the way that he's played, but more so the play of others. I think that the team kind of proved that they could play without him when they went on their kind of heater uh, around the Christmas break where I think they got points in, in nine of ten games or or ten of eleven games or something like that. Uh but he wasn't there. He was injured. And they proved that they can win games and get points without him. And if he could be a a good piece to try and dangle to teams, I I wouldn't be opposed to moving Janssen. You know, I, I know that he's played in the top six. He can play on the third line. But I just think that other players have kind of stepped up. You know, Mikheyev's injury makes it a little bit tougher now. But I think maybe, you know, Pierre Engvall is a guy who I've really liked who might be able to move up into that role. Or when Trevor Moore gets back, he's going to have somewhere to go. He played pretty well in, in the limited time he, he had on the second line before getting injured. Maybe he's a guy who could take over that spot. Or they when they make a trade, they can bring in somebody else. Like there's there's a lot of different options, but I think Janssen's a guy who I would say is is expendable. I've given him a C, a C. I just I haven't liked his game as much as others. Um, again, I, a little bit of bad puck luck as well. Um, taking a look at his shooting percentage, just three point three nine shooting percentage so it's kind of similar to like if you're taking a look at last year's in Nylander shooting percentage where it's just insanely low so it's a little bit of bad puck luck because he has been rather dangerous you take a look at the high danger chances he has 27 high danger chances which is actually more than both captain and Marner um, so he's getting his chances he's just not converting and so he should have a little bit more production but it's just not excusable to me that a guy who is put in, in in a role where he has a chance to be productive just isn't doing it. Like two goals, <laughs> two goals at 5 on 5 in 34 games. That's uh like with the with the minutes he's being given, you know, a like you know, offensive zone starts at that. Just Johnson. uh what's going on here, guy? What's going on? Um so i I'm, I'm giving him a C. All right, moving on once again, Alex Kerfoot. All right. Kerfoot is another interesting player. He's got 19 points so far in the year. I thought he started off the season actually quite well, but he's kind of faded since. Um, In the first few games, I think when it was Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and was it Trevor Moore was on that third line with those three, like literally the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, I really liked them. I thought that they were a fantastic group, they put together a lot of effort uh, on a night in, night out basis. They were puck, puck hounds, uh, and, and I liked them a lot, but it really just seems like Kerfwood's kind of faded ever since. He's had a few go arounds in the top six and hasn't been too productive. Um, he's not, he hasn't been great in the face off circle either. As of late, uh, on the season, he's under fifty percent at forty-seven and a half percent faceoff percentage. It's especially troubling too, considering how many defensive zone draws he takes. And when you can't win faceoffs in your own end, I think that's that's a big reason why the Leafs have have given up a lot of goals uh, this season. Like when you don't have, <laughs> you get a chance to try and win the puck back off a faceoff when when the faceoffs in your own end and you can't do it. It's not a, not a good thing, not a good thing at all. Um, and until he scored against Chicago, actually, I was I was taking a look. He had just two goals his last fourteen games. So this is a guy who's been just on a cold streak. You know, he's been undisciplined. He's third on the team in penalties. He's uh, taking twenty six of them. But I think the thing that I don't like most about Kerfoot's game is he has had countless. Giveaways that have been really costly. I think about four or five goals that have been a direct result from a Kerfoot giveaway while trying to break out, uh, whether it was at the blue line or at center ice. And so many times, so many times, you look and it's just Kerfoot trying to dangle his way past a player, and he gets his pocket picked, or Kerfoot trying to to pass it cross ice, and it gets intercepted, and, and away goes an odd man rush or a breakaway the other way. And it's just so many times it just seems like Kerfoot maybe isn't playing with his head up and he's not looking uh, around like he's not being aware of his surroundings uh, as often as he needs to be. Just not making smart plays when he has the puck. So I think for that reason I kind of had to give him a C. I I haven't loved his game. I liked it a little bit earlier. Like if you would have asked me this after the first month, I probably would have given him a B-. minus. But after the last... Two months. I haven't really liked what I saw, uh, so I'm giving him a C. Most importantly, he ain't Nazim Kadri, folks. <laughs> not that I was expecting him to be, but I think it's been a much bigger void losing Kadri and thinking that we could just kind of insert Kerfoot into that Kadri role. It's just, it hasn't worked out. He's not Nazim Kadri. He never claimed to be as good as Kadri or never claimed that he was going to try and fill his role. He just. That was the role that he was given because that's what was vacant at the time, uh, but he's not him. You know, I think we realized in the game against uh, Edmonton. Usually, the Cadre is the guy who can shut down McDavid. They didn't have anyone to shut down McDavid. They went off for four points, scoring that amazing goal on Morgan Riley. Uh, so, you know, Kerfoot, he's just that might be a position that they need to address in the future. The third line center role. Don't know if he's their guy going forward. Uh, all right. How many more we got here? Uh, we got a few more. No, we'll take a break and we'll come back with the rest. All right, welcome back to Locked On Leafs Podcast. Mike De here, going through all the grades of the first half of the Maple Leaf season. We've gone through a whole bunch of these guys so far, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards left to go. I'm kind of going to speed through some of these um, just because we're running out of time here. It's going a little long. Uh, all right, so we'll start off with Trevor Moore, giving him a C minus. I thought he had a really promising start. Uh, He had five points in the first eight games, but he's yet to score since. Uh, He had a a shot in the top six, kind of squandered it. He got hurt. Tavares got hurt as well, which kind of screwed him up a little bit, I guess. Uh, His injury that he had this season has kept him out since Christmas. He's probably lost not only a top six role, but maybe even a top nine role because of the emergence of Pierre Engvall. Uh, he's, when he comes back, he'll probably have to return as a fourth liner. Um, I do like his aggressiveness as a player, though. I think, you know, he kind of came on at the end of last year, and I knew he was going to factor into this team somehow, whether it was a guy who can kind of move up and down your lineup because he was he's a guy who, who he goes to the net. He's a guy who can go into the corners. He likes to hit a lot, actually. He's, he's second on the team in hits. Um what else what else what else yeah second on the team averaging 9.4 hits per 60 minutes so when he was out there he was he was an aggressive player um second on the team also in penalties drawn per 60 which i thought was an interesting stat to kind of just take a look at because usually when you're drawing penalties means that you're you're playing well you're you're keeping your legs moving you're creating a positive sequence out on the ice and and putting your your team on the man advantage he may not get the power play time but it means that this this top-end least power play, which is very lethal, especially lately, gets a chance to go out there and score. And they've done that a lot. <laughs> um, but overall, I think Trevor Moore, his injury maybe kind of factors in here a little bit too, the fact that he hasn't been able to stay out on the, the ice and how much he's, his play really dropped off. Um, after the first kind of few weeks of the season. So I finished up with a C- minus there. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, Superman. If you guys recall the first few weeks of the season, the first few games even of the season, I was in love with this guy. This was my Leafs man crush. Uh, He was on fire. He had a real promising start to his NHL career. Um, He's a guy who's just relentless on the puck. Uh, His puck pursuit was amazing. He worked his way all the way up into the top six before he got hurt. Um, And then the unfortunate thing happened where he ended up kind of cutting an artery in his wrist, got a laceration in his wrist, and now he's going to be out for most likely the entire season. Uh, at least in three months, they're gonna take a look and, and make another valuation after that uh but twenty three points in twenty nine games he's a rookie, but he was also a little bit older I think he twenty four years old i believe um but at the time he was i think before he got injured third or fourth in the scoring race for for rookies, which is rather impressive, you know, especially since he was coming over from Russia and the ice surface is a little different which means the game is a little different and he was pretty quick to pick up on it. He did kind of fall off a little bit um but I think for for myself 23 points in 39 games for any rookie regardless is is pretty impressive but one of the more impressive things was how he was getting those points, you know. There's there's a lot of guys who who pile the numbers on the man advantage. That is not what this kid did. of 22 of his 23 points came at 5-on-5. Five five. The other was a shorthanded goal. So all of his points came either at 5-on-5 five five or down a man. So not too bad. Not too bad. The other thing I liked about his game a lot is he actually shoots the puck quite a bit. Um, he had 95 shots in just the 39 games, which is third behind Matthews and Tavares for shots per 60. But overall, I thought... um I thought he's had a a decent season, a decent year, and kind of went down a little bit before he got injured. So we're going to give him a B-minus, B-minus for Superman. All right, moving on. Jason Spezza, old man, old man Spezzy, 18 points in 37 games, averaging just under 11 minutes per game, Um, seventh on the team for points per 60, averaging 2.72. So he's been rather efficient uh, and productive in his, his short amount of time that he's been out there on the ice um he's not what he used to be but he's not paid to be that anymore he's, he's making seven hundred thousand dollars I think he's been out producing that contract to be quite honest with you um when he was with Babcock maybe he was looking like a seven hundred thousand dollar defenseman as as a d plus player but I think under Keefe he's, he's been more of a c plus player so I kind of split it down the middle and, and gave him a c um, that's kind of how I came up with that grade. Uh, and he's been really good in the shootouts, too. I think he's two for three in the shootouts this year, um, one of them being a shootout winner, if I'm not mistaken, in, in Philadelphia, I believe, where he also scored a goal in that game. Um, he's been really good on the draws, winning 54% of his face-offs. He's proven to be quite effective on the on the second power play unit, and he's a guy who you can rely on. It seems like Keith has, has really given him a little bit more of um, – more of a role I would say on this team and and for a team with such young players on it that are quote unquote immature, I think it's important to have a guy like spets out there on the ice um not only on the ice but also in the locker room obviously because he's a guy who I think if if some of that matur- immaturity is starting to show out there, you know I think that would mean that Keith would feel comfortable kind of maybe sit down Matthews and Marner a little bit and Nylander a little bit and then shove out Spezza and let him go out there and kind of settle things down and kind of show the kids, Hey, remember this is how you play hockey because he plays it the right way. He doesn't have the wheels that he once used to have. He doesn't have the hands that he once used to have or the conditioning probably, but he's still an effective player on the ice and he's going to go out there and he's going to give it your all. And I thought that he's played rather well. Um, Decent, at least. But it's been a, a tale of two halves, so I'm going to see. Dimitri Temeshov. Ah, he hasn't really done much, to be honest. So this is pretty quick. Uh, D-plus. Got 9 points in 33 games. He's got to admit the team out of camp, I think, unexpectedly. Just kind of hung on to a roster spot purely because he's not eligible to clear waivers. And he's kind of a situational player based on matchup. Um, he does lead the team in hits. He's got 16 and a half hits per 60 games. Um... That's kind of the only redeeming quality I think I've seen of Timoshov is that he's one of the guys who will get in there, get dirty, go into the corners, and uh, lay the boom every now and then. But other than that, eh, he's kind of a replacement level player who's plugging along on the fourth line. So D plus. Uh, Freddie Gauthier giving him a C minus. He's got ten points, a career high six goals so far which has doubled his previous career high of three. Um, very solid in the face-off data, actually. 58.4% success rate. And considering that a majority of his starts are in the D zone, I think this is key for success. I kind of talked about this earlier about Kerfoot and how a lot of his starts in the D zone and he's under 50% isn't very good because that means you're giving up possession in the defensive end. Then you got to start – got to play defense. Um and I think Gauthier has done a good job of getting the puck back for his team and getting it up and down the ice, and that's kind of what you want to do: get the puck on the opposite end. For him, though, so I, I've used this term before. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Now, what I mean by that is, dude, you're six foot five, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Why can't you go out there and impose your will on these guys? Like, you could be such a physical specimen out there on the ice. I want to see so much more heaviness to your game. Um, get in there on on, on the forecheck. Lay the body. Drop the mitts. You know, go in and, and get in someone's grill. Give them a bit of a face wash. You know, when you're, you're dumping Chase, get in there. Go go crash the, <laughs> the crash the glass and get the puck back. Be like you're a big dude. I don't think people want you coming at them skating at your full tilt. So utilize your size. Utilize your size. If you utilize your size, you might do a little bit better than the C minus grade that I've given you. That being said, six goals. That's that's probably more than I expected out of you at this point in the season. Um, all right. I think The over-under we had was six and a half. I think I took the over earlier in the year. I don't know. We're going to have to revisit those over-unders, obviously, later in the year. Maybe even sometime this week we can revisit them and see how we're doing. Uh, But Gochee C-. Uh, We have the last one. Yes, we are. Last but not least, Pierre Engvall. Boy, what a revelation he's been! Um, since cracking this lineup back in mid-November when Sheldon Keith took over, he's, he's he's been a really, really solid contributor to this team. You know, started out as a fourth liner, not really getting much ice time, killing penalties. Did score in his opening game where he scored that that great shorthanded goal uh, against Arizona, and and everybody was happy. He fell on his butt. It was it was fantastic. Um, and he's really been productive ever since, right? 27 games now into his career uh into his into the season. I, yeah, I don't think he played last year, so that would be into his career. Um 14 points, 7 goals, 7 assists. And I for I think he's given the penalty kill a decent spark. Um he has the trust from coach Sheldon Keith to kind of play up and down the lineup. I think you you've seen that starting the fourth line, moving up to the third line. And then when it kind of wasn't like Johnson got hurt also, which I think helped him kind of move up, but it wasn't working out well. Uh, they had Kerfoot up there a little bit. Then they moved him back to the to center. And then they moved uh, Engvall up to the number two spot where he was playing with the Nylander and Tavares for a couple games. games. Um, but uh, o- overall I've, I've really liked his game again Him being a B and then me giving Kapanen like a C plus. do I think that Engvall is a better player than Kapanen? No, not necessarily. But do I think that he's met my expectations more than Kapanen? Yes, I certainly do. I think Engvall has exceeded my expectations. If anyone disagrees with that and thought that he's been better, I take a good look in the mirror because this is a former, what, seventh-round draft pick who... Has fought tooth and nail through the minors to to just get a call up to the NHL and he kind of got the, the one game and, and hasn't looked back, right? Fourteen points in twenty seven games. You know, he's got really good size, a pretty good skater for his size. I think he's pretty smart with the puck. Um and his emergence has kind of pushed out, in my opinion, one of Trevor Moore or Andreas Janssen out of the lineup. Or well, not so much out of the lineup but maybe off of this team because they can use them as trade bait to go and kind of uh to go and solidify some other roster positions on this team. defense <laughs> Speaking of defense, that's what we're going to chat about tomorrow. I'm going to go ahead and and uh, grade all the defensemen on this team tomorrow and we'll go ahead and we'll we'll get through that. And uh, probably get to goal as well. We'll see how long we talk about the D4. If it's anything like this 40-minute chat about the forwards, I don't know if we're going to get to goalies uh, on tomorrow's episode. But uh, we're definitely going to chat, defensemen. uh, Go ahead and, and if you can, if you want to, grade your own players. Tell me exactly what you think they deserve. Uh, I'll go through them one more time, just the letter grades. And tell me what you think. Tell me if I was too critical on some people, if I was too lenient on some people. So we'll start off. Matthews give him an A. Marner, A. Tavares, B. Nylander, A minus. Hyman, B plus. Kapanen, C plus. Janssen, a C. Kerfoot, a C. Trevor Moore, a C minus. Mikheyev, a B minus. Spetsa, a C. Timishev, a D plus. Gauthier, a C minus. And Pierre Engvall, Finish it off with a B. All right, that is going to do it for us here today on the show. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow. Where we'll be grading the defense and how their first half of the season has gone down so far this year. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.